Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by Ed M, Ed P, and Mike. And welcome, everybody. Welcome, everybody. Steve, you're a host too, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm a host too, I know. Oh, well. Hey, guys. I think my voice is kind of yucky. So maybe I'll try and shut up, which is pretty unlikely anyway. Ed P, we haven't seen you in a while. Gina's not here. I'll give you the honors. What's the biggest story of the week? Oh, wow. What's the biggest story of the week? I mean, our biggest story uh, remains the uh, Twitter files. And uh, you can tell that it's the biggest story because it's not being covered by any of the mainstream news media. Uh, uh, the FBI and uh, I think uh, by implication, the CIA has been uh, working with Twitter and, and by implication, every other uh, social media company to um, run an information operation or multiple information operations against the American people. And they're doing this, uh, they did this to affect the outcome of the previous election. Uh, but they do it sort of regularly to um, craft a narrative that they want um, to happen. Uh, the interesting thing, of course, is that uh, you know, the mainstream media obviously does the exact same thing. Um, although we haven't, uh, you know, there is no smoking gun where the FBI tells NBC News or CNN what they can and cannot say uh, on the news. But given the fact that none of them are running with this story at all, uh, kind of uh, shows their own guilt and that we are in a, uh, a very Orwellian situation where all of the news, it seems, that we get fed to us with very minor exceptions is uh, state control. I realize that uh, you know, many conservatives have called uh, the mainstream news and media the state-controlled media or other, um, you know, other pejoratives, but we're really getting to see how, how that is true that in fact, the government uh, controls the news and has for quite some time. We're up to Twitter. Can you say the same inference for, that you used for Google and, and YouTube in regard to, and Facebook in regard to Twitter. I, I think the same inference would apply to NBC and right. MSNBC and ABC. I mean, there's no reason yeah. to believe they, that the FBI wasn't meeting with those news organizations the same way they were meeting with Twitter. And, and God only knows really how long this kind of thing has gone on, because I think a lot of people have, you know, they, they look back to the world of Walter Cronkite and think that that was when news was great, you know, and, and I'm sitting here thinking, I'm thinking about the Tucker uh, stories about JFK and how it's quite likely the CIA was involved in his assassination. And I think there's just so much that we don't know about the deep state and how deep it really is. Um, I, I want to ask a couple of questions here. First of all, we're up to Twitter files eight, right? Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Um, and I do want to talk about Kennedy for a second as well. But yeah, what if anything from Twitter one through eight has surprised you guys? Nothing. It's just <laughs> kind of affirmed what we already thought. Nothing, nothing shocking. Happened. Actually, I was a little surprised that that twi that Twitter had to be that the FBI was seemed to be the aggressor. I I thought that they were going to be equal aggressors. 
And I was a little surprised. I mean, even Yal Roth had a little bit of resistance, at least initially. And, and I was kind of surprised by that. Or were they resistant because they it never occurred to them that the FBI was that crazy? No, I mean, I think the opposite. They they had their own policy for for, you know, cleaning up government, you know, government sponsored uh, uh, information campaigns or whatever. I forget the phrase that they used for it, but they had some program where they were supposed to deplatform and and take down uh, government sponsored uh, operations like that. And the FBI and and that was part of the initial resistance that they put up to it. I, I was I was a little surprised. I thought I thought it was I would have been just as uh, I would have been less surprised if Twitter had approached the FBI than vice versa. I mean, I'm not surprised that the FBI was the aggressor, but I'm surprised that Twitter had any resistance whatsoever. I, I would have guessed that they were that they were equal partners at best. And. The fact that so much of this happened under a supposedly strong Republican administration. Um, well, I mean, it it really confirms everything we've been saying about the uh, the deep the deep state. That is the right. um, the 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 uniparty oligarchy that controls the government, and especially the agencies of force in the government, such as the. Um, you know, the FBI, the CIA, other intelligence agencies. Um, I think uh, it would, you know, I used to think that it's like a, a flocking behavior, you know, that, um, that no one is in charge in the sense of, uh, um, you see it uh, recently with the, um, with the pride flag, right? They keep adding things to the pride flag. Now they they added an umbrella to the pride flag for sex workers, but it kind of looks like a butthole. And so there's been a little bit of pushback, um, but uh, as more and more stripes and you, you think it's a flocking behavior, you know, but when it comes to the censorship, you know, I often thought it was, you know, everybody's of the same mind, it's the same and, and there's, you know, it's, it's just, nobody's in charge and they just, they all do the same thing because they're all in this flock. And when someone, you know, takes the lead, they follow them and then they follow the next person. But it seems that that is probably not true. And that in fact, it is a top-down operation by the deep state to control the news. And uh, in this particular case, uh, you know, it does seem like it's, um, it's coming from fairly high in the FBI. I mean, it probably doesn't come from Christopher Ray, who is the head of the FBI because he's an idiot and a figurehead. But um, but at some, you know, maybe not the second level, but at, you know, at the third level and below, it's it's obviously coming and uh, from someone on high. It's going out from there or the CIA going out um, to the New York Times, to CNN, to the social media companies. I mean, if you look at the emails, they say, you know, you should take down this account, you should take down that account. And, uh, and I think the, um, the Twitter Audrey, you know, the Twitter employees just said, okay. I, it was almost like they, they thought they were in some 
sort of um, Tom Clancy novel. They were all proud to work with the CIA and the FBI uh, to do things, you know, to fight for democracy or whatever they thought they were doing. I, I think they, you know, um, it, it is funny. I, I went last week, I went out um, on a work trip and I went to uh, visit a company that is heavily into artificial intelligence. And they showed uh, me a, a bunch of demonstrations of, um, you know, their AI capability, uh, basically doing incredibly complicated and horrible things, uh, m mostly in, in facial recognition, vehicle recognition, tracking people. I'm like, are you doing this in the United States? And he's like, well, no, we don't really, aren't, aren't really allowed to do this in the United States, but we're doing it in, in, you know, in other countries, you know, we're selling this to other countries. Now, first of all, I don't believe that they're not doing it in the United States, but that, that's beside the point. The point is that, um, that the surveillance state that, um, that we think, uh, you know, it's coming is, you know, it's already here and it's, it's, it's way worse than we could ever imagine. I, I, one of the funny stories this guy told me was that he uses this um, capability to uh, track all the sheep on his parents' farm. Uh, he uses facial recognition AI to identify individual sheep and a bunch of cameras decide where the sheep go. And I'm like, Facial recognition on sheep, they all look the same. Well, apparently not to the AI. The AI can distinguish, you know, Bessie from, you know. Wait a minute. So Eddie, you're saying that that's really the reason they made us all into sheep? <laughs> and I, I think, yeah, I think that's the thing. It's like they, I think, you know, while, you know, he did say, you know, that this is not used in the United States. I mean, I, I don't believe that, right? I, I, I think that the moment you, you leave your house, they track your car, then you get off, they, they track your, you know, your, your body. I mean, they, mm -hmm. and, and when they, um, you know, when they can see your face, they track your face and they put it all together and they know, you know, they track your phone um, right. and they correlate all this information to get a complete picture of what you do uh, during the day. So, for example, suppose there was some protest in Washington, not a violent protest, we're all against violence, but suppose there was some protest and you wanted to go and be there and protest and hold up a sign, but be anonymous, you know, wear a hoodie, wear, wear a black mask, wear some sunglasses, wouldn't matter because they would, they would track you from the moment you left your house, whether you got an Uber, whether you walked, um, to the train station, you know, when, when you got on the train, they, they would track you. I mean, it would be, it, it would be very difficult to just uh, attend a protest anonymously and uh, because your entire, your entire history is being tracked. Um, and I, and I want to put on my uh, redhead uh, hat for a moment and circle back to one of the things you said and get back to a bunch of them, actually. There's a message from pretty high up in DOJ and FBI that you can get away with this. And I guess the question is, how high does that go up? Like at a certain level, they know that X will never find out about this. And you got to wonder about that. And yeah. any surprises in how high they did know about this stuff? And why does it happen that they're so sure they can get away with this stuff? This is really scary because a president would never know this is happening. 
And I don't yeah. know that an attorney general would ever know this is happening. How would they know? And if that- I, I think they're, I think they're brought mm-hmm. into the programs if they show their sound, you know, if they show they're on board. So, you know, someone like, um, someone like Eric Holder and probably was brought on board. In fact, he probably, probably started a lot of this, but whether the, um, whether the Trump, uh, attorney generals were brought on board. I don't know. I know Bill Barr, for instance, uh, who many people like, is is so very connected to the deep state through his entire career. I'm not sure he he wasn't brought in. Um, and uh, I, I, but you know, the president can't do any. You know, can, can hardly do anything. I, I did. I did talk to this guy. I'm like, when are you going to make stuff for us? And he said, what do you mean? I'm like, I know I kind of work for the government, but I mean, when are you going to use AI to help individuals evade all of this technology? And he said, oh, that's an interesting, that's an interesting idea. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's the same amount of money in lobbying for it. No, it's also, you know, they I mean, have to be very confident. I hope you didn't wind up on a new list there. <laughs> Dr. Well, I'm Powell. sure, Jack. you know. They have to be confident that there's no leaks and whistleblowers all the way up and down an organization, which is also amazing. I mean, like we were just well, saying at the beginning. I think that they just, they vet people pretty well. But people, you know, yeah. you're talking about, you know, Twitter going along and pushback and everything else. There's nobody who says, whoa, that, that's also very scary. I think the government, especially under Obama, in, in sort of late Obama, and um, you know, has con- it, he he apparently took a bunch of political appointees. Obama did this last two years, and he pushed them down a level into the civil service so they can't be fired. So he he brings in all of these guys who are, you know, and women who are. Um, who are ideal ideologues in the Obama, you know, neo-Marxist kind of, you know, racial uh, grievance. Um, and they all have presidential appointee positions, which can, you know, people can be fired and they generally do all leave at the change of administration. But what he engineered was to push them all down a level into the bureaucracy that cannot be fired into the civil service. And it's one of the things that Trump uh, tried to do with his Schedule F um, at the very end of his presidency. And had he had he won, you know, maybe he or he did win. But I mean, had he been uh, allowed to take office, he um, he may have been able to fire this this level of senior civil servants who are all ideologically committed to the leftist cause. Um, but was one of the Schedule F was one of the things that. Uh, Biden's uh, repealed on day one, um, but there are these people like Anthony Fauci who, you know, who who are protected civil servants who make policy and who are not allowed to be fired by the government, and that that of course has to end. Now I understand that there is a uh, there is a point to the civil service system. Um, to allow some sort of continuity, imagine everyone in the DoD being fired. At you know, at the end, I mean, all that would say is that that that's when our enemies would attack, right? I mean, that, so there has to be some sort of continuity. But on the other hand, um, this sort of ideological 
infestation of the neo-Marxists has to be destroyed. And uh, Schedule F was some, I, I don't know who came up with it. Obviously Trump didn't come up with it, but um, it, Schedule F is certainly something to hold to any competitors to Trump. Um, you know, uh, if, if DeSantis is running, you know, ask him, are you going to implement Schedule F? If, if, if Cruz is running, anybody, it's certainly the, a very important question to ask to anyone who's, um, who's going to be in that position because of this uh, Obama infestation. I think the risks that you outlined of getting rid of this, you know, bringing back the spoil system and getting rid of civil service reform, I think the risks of, of what we have now are wor way worse than the risk of an enemy attacking us if we fire the Defense Department. I, I think an incoming administration would just have to be a little ju judicious in how it fired people. But I think making every one of those civil servants know that they're subject to being fired would have so much of a good positive effect that it would be worth whatever risk you're, you're, you're outlining. That's my thought on that. Uh, you know, that may be true uh, to the extent that, um, you know, it certainly, it certainly would be true, um, you know, in, in departments that only do bad things, uh, but uh, which is most of them. <clears throat> but as I kind of work for the Department of Defense and I've been through a number of administrations, I do see the paralysis even um, like in the, in the first two years of administration when they're trying to get their people in. Um, and uh, it's a really, it's a serious paralysis. It's, it's um, nothing new can happen. No, no nothing, um, nothing can change until the new political appointees get in and, and sort of set their priorities. And so you get, you know, three months, six months, a year, two years. Trump was two years because the Democrats were so very vicious against his appointees. Um, of complete paralysis in the Defense Department. And it's one of the reasons why uh, the US, um, it, you know, the US defense uh, industrial base and planning and, and the ability to adapt to new threats is, is, so, is so terrible these days. Now, I, I understand that a lot of it has to do with the wokeness, but, um, but the, the truth of the matter is that uh, from what I can tell from, from actual soldiers is, you know, they go to these briefings and nobody takes them seriously. Um, of course we do get the guy, the, the Colonel who, with the dog mask and everything, you know, that, and apparently he had a, a whole coterie of fetishists around him. And, you know, obviously those people should be fired immediately, um, and aren't going to be. But when it comes to the, the backbone of the military, I think they just throw the wokeness away as they, you know, they go through the, the motions and throw it away. Um, but there are, real, there are real problems with the co continuity, the way we see it right now. And it would only, it would only get worse as the, um, the level of uh, <clears throat> political, essentially political appointees goes down. Um, but that doesn't mean that I disagree with you that in principle, the spoil system should be returned to all of the departments. And I'm also hearing you say, and I don't want to go into the S word, that this, <coughs> the ship of state is way too big to steer. 
which is a discussion for, for another day of how to make that smaller. Um, you're bringing me to the Rockette story, um, which I wasn't going to bring up so early in the show. But when you're talking about us being tracked and traced and facially recognized, and I assume you all saw the story of this lawyer who's not allowed to attend the Rockettes because right. they tracked her face and said, uh-uh, you're suing us, blah, blah, blah. It's from listening to you, Ed P., it's almost like that leaked out as like, you know, signals intelligence that they have this capability. And now that that got out, are we going to wake up just a tiny bit more? How strongly, you know, how far these tentacles go? And getting back to your political appointees, we're living Schumer's threat, you know, and they play it over and over again. That message is out there stronger and stronger. We are tracked from A to Z. They will stop us doing anything, including breathing. And don't you dare. Yeah, one of the things, though, about the government is they're completely incompetent, right? So while they have all these technically technical capabilities, I think what ended up happening to the, to the Rockettes woman was that um, they did uh, either look at her ticket, she bought the tickets and saw her name, or they did facial recognition. They did um, facial recognition. Facial recognition, yeah. No, but the, by the way, you no, can say the government's incompetent, but that hasn't gotten one J6er out in almost two years. So when they want to be competent, they're competent. Even Mitch McConnell, when he wants to yeah. be competent, is competent. So now, we all know just, we all know how useless masks are with regard to um, stopping respiratory viruses. Um, but they are a godsend when it comes to defeating facial recognition. You know, dark glasses, hoodie mask very very difficult to track people like that so i mean that is potentially one thing but <clears throat> on the other hand when i go into a theater it has my name on the ticket unless i buy it secondhand like on stubhub or something it has my name on the ticket and they scan it and you know they could stop me if i was on some list they could stop me right at the um, at the theater entrance. I'm not entirely sure this wasn't, this didn't happen to her. The story was a little bit. Sorry, I have this cough. Uh, what was a little bit incomplete for me to understand exactly what happened, but it could have been facial recognition. You know, that's what it sounded like. <laughs> it, it, this, this ties into, I think, uh, what the other really big story of the week to me, which was, the, the House voting to release Trump's tax returns. I mean, we have privacy of tax returns. The, the government only gets to, to look at our personal finances for purposes of, of making sure that we're properly paying our taxes. And whatever political issues you have with Trump, to, for, the, for the Congress to vote to override the, the privacy protections of the mm -hmm. Internal Revenue Code it is a really shocking development and it's a real, it's a real threat. I wouldn't, it's more than a threat. I mean, if, if, if Trump's tax returns can be made public, anyone's tax returns can be made public. And yeah, I mean, it's obviously illegal, but is he going to sue again to get them not released based on the privacy act? Um, or is he going there's a to a section of the internal revenue code that specifically makes it illegal <laughs> to disclose it? Wow. Well, why, why would that our, our Congress just based this release on their alleged immunity when they're uh, because obviously the the individual who releases it, you know, whether it's Pelosi or or 
the head of the J6 committee or whoever it is going to release it, they should be personally liable and, you know, imprisonable uh, for this offense. Yeah, uh, because isn't their whole point no one's above the law? <laughs> Except We're for We're all them. above the law. I think this, this thing with the tax return, which I was going to get to, is insanely scary. And again, it's that very loud message. There is nothing that's going to protect you from what we're going to do. And once these tax returns are out there, first of all, every, every American will have them. And you will find stuff in there that they will be able to blow up and make a mess out of, no matter whether it's bad or not. And again, well, you got to understand why they're doing this, right? Um, obviously, they don't have time or energy, and they're not going to have the ability after January 3rd to look at the tax returns. And obviously, I, I a friend of mine, I, I once back in the day who owned a company, he printed out the company's tax return uh, and his tax return, and, and they were this thick as back in the day. So like more than a single ream of paper were, were his tax returns. So let's assume the, they have this and they have them um, it, it, it's, it, it's impossible for them, the committee, those who they're all idiots, but even the, you know, handful of, of staffers that they have assigned to the committee, in, you know, whether it's 10 or 20 or however many to go through those tax returns and make any sense of them. And of course they'll be taken away on January 3rd, which is, you know, in a couple of weeks. So what they want to do is they want to crowdsource the, any issues, right? They want to put them out there and have, you know, legions of, of people um, look at them over the next two years to try and find illegalities. So it, it's, it's basically, I mean, it's the only thing they could do given how limited their uh, minute, intelligence. I, I, I'm, I'm a little so, confused so, and I know you're fairly good at math, but you're telling me they can't read 400 pages of his tax returns in two weeks but they can read a 4,000 page bill in a day. Maybe well, you, can you know the math here. You, you, you know the answer to that. But I mean, there's a difference between reading a tax return. Even my tax return, I have a simple company, um, is 100 pages long. Um, there's a difference between reading it and then trying to understand because the tax code is complicated. Of course, I don't do my own taxes, I have an accountant. <coughs> what deductions or or what um, you know, business claimed business expenses or whatever, are <clears throat> are legitimate and what are potentially in you know some gray area. It'll be very difficult for them to do that. They need to bring in external auditing, and they just don't have time. So it's the only you way. What? I mean, this goes to the the eternal shame of John Roberts and and the Supreme Court. There is no valid legislative function here. If anyone wants to, if they want to, Congress isn't a prosecutorial body. It's explicitly supposed to not prosecute. You can't have bills of attainder coming from Congress. The Department of Justice is the one that gets to prosecute crimes, not Congress. And for Congress to, to, to try and obtain subpoena, not try, but to be granted by the court, a, you know, a subpoena of Trump's tax returns for the purpose of seeing if there's criminality there that can be prosecuted is completely patently on its face, illegal and wrong. And the Supreme Court should be ashamed of itself. I know that there's nothing they can do to, to intervene, but I don't know, procedurally, Trump should be 
in that court, wherever, whether it was remanded or if it's back in the Supreme Court, and he should be demanding some sort of rehearing or, or some sort of an injunction that they not do this. Because this, John Roberts outrageous. isn't afraid that his tax returns will be uh, put out publicly? Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously Trump should try and prevent this. I mean, he only got a couple of weeks, uh, so he, he really ought to uh, do it. I'm not entirely sure that the congressman would obey uh, an injunction like that. I think they're they're completely lawless. The whole committee is lawless. It was never, um, you know, it was never constituted right. lawfully to begin with. The whole with. committee so, is not constituted for a valid legislative purpose. Again, it was con it was put together to try and prosecute Trump, and he's no longer president. So there's no valid purpose. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I I, I totally agree with you. I just don't believe that uh, even if he got an injunction, that would that would stop it. I think it's going to come out. Look, they are desperate to keep Trump out of the White House. I don't know why. I thought Trump, you know, if even if I was thinking in terms of like being kind of a liberal, I mean, I do have liberal friends, uh, some most of whom are TDS, of course, but I mean, Trump didn't do that. I mean, yes, he said crazy things and occasionally he'll, you know, but he, he didn't, what did he do that's so objectionable to the to the deep state or the or or the left? I mean, he didn't do anything. You know, he built some wall. Not that that's helped. He he um, <coughs> he did a but. You know, he cut cut taxes a little bit. You know, that was one of his big. I mean, the Republicans always cut taxes a little bit, and the Democrats always raise taxes, and the Republicans cut them, and the Democrats raise. That's just every administration. I don't see why he's so unacceptable. I really he don't. He was perceived he as a possible threat to the deep state, period. No, I don't think that's the reason. I think the reason they hate him so much is because he betrayed them. He was always a New York City liberal who rubbed elbows with Schumer and the Clintons and all the rest of them. He was on The View. He was their buddy. And then all of a sudden, he became this conservative Republican. And they are like the scorned spouse who just can't accept that the that they've been that they're being divorced? That's that's what happened. It's betrayal. I, I think we're both right. I think it's both things because he could have been a Mitch McConnell Republican, and they wouldn't have hated him that much. The 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 only thing I, I I've I've heard two things from people, um, you know, liberal friends. Um, one boils down to there was an article about this is that it's aesthetic like they they just can't stand the spray tan the orange hair the speaking weirdly the mean tweets the uh you know the he's just aesthetically repulsive to them right yeah um and that's one because thing they're and so they're so clean and, and proper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just telling you what I get from my friends, right? And the other oh. one I got, I got from one friend uh, was like, well, he's a racist. Now, we all know he's not a racist, right? Because he was showered with awards from NAACP. He was the first, Mar-a-Lago was the first club back then, uh, you know, to allow anyone um, no matter what the Wait race religion you mean, is. He didn't eulogize Robert Byrd? Yeah, yeah, he didn't eulogize Robert Byrd, <laughs> you know. So we all know he's not racist, but I guess when him saying, you know, like Mexico's not sending their best, um, that like triggered them in a way that they have never, uh, never been able to get over. And um, you know, it is weird. I, I was listening to a, a 
an article today from, uh, <clears throat> or listening to a video today from Computing Forever. And they're talking about um, the population of Ireland doubling from 5 million to 10 million, or from like six to 12 or something like that, all through immigration, all from Africa. And you know, his point is like, wait a minute, Ireland should be for the Irish people, um, the guy doing the video. But, but like he's been banned from YouTube and, and like all for, for saying something so simple as like, hey, Ireland should be for the Irish, not for like 6 million people from Africa. What are we doing? Uh, that seems so simple, right? It seems so obvious. Um, and yet, not only has been banned from all social media, but like everybody in their government disagrees with that. I mean, I think the Irish people feel like, you know, obviously they're being replaced and displaced on purpose by third world immigrants or, or migrants. And, um, but they feel completely unable to fight back morally. Well, didn't Biden um, and, just say that they're dumb? Yeah, well, well and maybe part I, of the I, reason- And this whole thing is like, we can't That's, call, that's the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> we can't even talk about the some of these issues, not just because of, uh, of the censorship, although that's part of it, but be, because like, why should America or Ireland or Germany or the United Kingdom have its population displaced by a bunch of Africans or Central Asians or Muslims maybe or, part or of the reason, whatever. Maybe part of the reason these people get triggered over Trump saying something like Mexico's not sending us their best is precisely because they don't want to deal with the fact that the purpose of immigration is to replace the current population. It's to change the composition of the electorate rather than change the minds of the electorate. And, well, I, and I, I, it hits them too I close to I don't think it's home. to change the... I don't think that, uh, that's the Tucker Carlson. Uh, I, I don't think the uh, the uh, change the electorate is the primary purpose. I think the the primary purpose is to destroy the Euro Europeans and European culture and European people and destroy Europe and it, white people, as it were. It's anti-white hatred in policy. I mean, we see anti-white hatred uh, in all of our media today. We see it in all of our news. We see it in all of our commentators, except a few like Matt Walsh. Um, and I think the, you know, the replacement migration is to just, I think they think white people, your, your people of European ancestry are a, um, are a virus on the human race and they want to destroy them all. And the migration is the way to do this. Now, the fact that the implementation of the destruction will initially be by ballot box, I think is a bonus for them. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's anti-white hatred that is the primary, um, you know, anti-European hatred, anti-Western civilization, anti-Christian, you know. Right, I don't um, think, I mean, I don't think that's, really, that's just saying it in a different way, I think. It, I yet it's, think yet it's a lot of white liberals who are responsible for <laughs> the open border. Yeah. It's all white liberals hoping the alligators will eat them last. Um, and by the way, I assume um, most of us, if not all of us here today, all four of us are descendant from migrants. So, Mike, how long is your family in America? It was my uh, great grandparents who migrated here. Early 1900s, I assume? Yes. Like mine, Ed Maslish? Same. Ed Powell? Well, I mean, it depends, right? I mean, I have, um, I have 
relatives who are here before the revolution. And I have some that like my, my mom's uh, maternal grandfather was an immigrant. Uh, but like my mom's father's people were here before the revolution. The Powells, the, uh, my, my dad's people, uh, all the way by I had a, I, my great great grandfather fought in the Civil War for the North, and that that Powell uh, thing goes goes way back to the beginning of the uh, you know before the revolution. Right, but three quarters um, we, of us were all white males, and three quarters of this little group here are migrants. It's not that they're in favor of migrants; <laughs> they're in favor of a specific type of migrant and a specific type they don't even want african migrants they hate african migrants if they're you know high functioning like what's his name in florida ladapo or ladapo yeah yeah they hate migrants from africa they want a very specific american hating migrant and they don't even care what color they are as long as they hate america yeah i mean i i think uh, i i think if you had a, a you know a if, if Ursula von der Leyen wanted to migrate to the United States, I think they would let her in a heartbeat, but, um, you know, or some other person in, uh, in European, uh, in Europe of European descent. I do think there is a, there is a fundamental hatred of, of Western civilization, uh, of Christianity. Um, I, I do think that- Among uh, who? Among the uh, elite, among the elite, among the elites who want who who are not, in not favor the people, of this whole not the people crossing the border replacement migration, um, I yeah I mean you know nominally the people from Mexico and Guatemala and whatnot are are you know nominally Christian or, or Catholic, um, but I I do think that it, the race hatred uh, you know is is more important than the Christianity hatred. And, and let's face it, uh, American Christianity is, is far different from Mexico and Central American and South American Christianity, sure. um, which has been infected by, uh, what do they call it? The, the Marxist. No, well, yeah, but there's, there's a particular, uh, there's a particular term for uh, uh, something theology. Uh, God, my brain doesn't work today. Um, liberation but they're, theology. They're, what's that? Liberation, liberation theology. Liberation theology, which is kind of Marxism and, and Catholicism sort of combined. And and if you you know the people may or may not be um, Marxists, but the priests are Marxists, as we can see from the South American priest who uh, has ended up being the, the Vatican. The Pope. Yeah. They just defrock somebody for not being left in uh, You stole my thunder. I was going to bring that I'm up. I'm sorry. I didn't want to make <laughs> the Catholic people say it. Um, I want to ask you guys a favor, just in case any of our children or grandchildren ever want to go to Stanford. Let's please not use the American word anymore. Thank you. Yeah, some of the words banned at Stanford or, or discouraged. I, I wouldn't say banned. Not banned. It's only discouraged? Yeah. I it was banned. <clears throat> Might be banned in official communication, but uh, it's it. I mean, students can still use it. Uh, I mean, there may be a more Marxist strain of Christianity, if you will, in, in Central America, South America. But my sense generally is they are a bit more devout. Um, you know, I think I see 
Catholicism, Christianity, somewhat on the decline in our country where things are becoming more secularized. So. Yeah, very much. But I mean, you have a Marxist Pope, right? Uh, more, more or less, probably more on the more side. And uh, I assume that that drives some Catholics wild. Well, again, this, this dovetails with the story that I was going to talk about with the priest being defrocked, who uh, was the, the head of, um, I forget what it was called exactly, something priest for life or something like that. And, uh, you know, they basically defrocked him. I think he had sent out a mean tweet about the Democratic Party and how, hey, let's face it, that's their platform is they are the anti-life party. Um, so he made himself a target of some sort. And the Vatican went after him and defrocked him, which is just outrageous, you know, especially when you uh, put that backdrop of everything that's happened with the Catholic Church over the last number of decades with the, the sex scandals and everything like that, that a lot of those priests were just shuffled around and they weren't um, they, they weren't defrocked. So on a lot of levels, it's just disturbing and, and, and wrong. Right. So again, coming from every generation, be careful what you say, what you think out loud, et cetera. And, you know, you said before why they're doing this to Trump. And a lot of us believe and a lot of people say it, they're doing this to Trump because they're telling all of us, don't you dare. And, you know, the jockeying for who's running in two years and four years is on. And how many people won't dare because of this? Yeah. But again, I, I think you were asking too a big picture about the church in a way like you know, none of, none of this is, is good. You know, you see declining enrol enrollments in parochial schools. People going to church less. Uh, you know, I, I think what this current pope has been, been doing with Marxist or woke kind of, uh, you know, agenda is very harmful. My Catholic friends are... A letter of resignation or something that he has with him? Maybe we can, like, sneak in and mail that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the thing about the Catholic Church, the way I understand from my Catholic friends, is the the conservative Catholics are more concerned about the um, the changes to the church itself. You know, whether you go to a Latin Mass, you know, the pre-Vatican II Mass that more or less remained unchanged for thousand years or more, or whether they do the new Novus Ordo mass. Um, and there is, a, you know, that is the main sort of theological split that is kind of incomprehensible to people who have been raised in the Protestant tradition like I am. Um, but uh, obviously, it's that, you know, that's very much important. And, uh, you know, the, the pedophilia scandals obviously, you know, hurt the church. But it's funny, because there's just as much of not more per capita pedophilia in the public schools and they've never um you know they've they've never the public schools as an institution have never faced the same opprobrium over pedophilia as the catholic church has done so it's uh it's well, something not, that i it's think it's a prerequisite it, now that you like it. yeah right um you know there's uh <laughs> they changed the law in california so that now uh if you're you know, if you're less than 10 years difference between you and the, the, and the person you have sex with, you don't get uh, put 
on the sex offender list, uh, even if the person's a minor. So if you're 21 and you have sex with 11 year old, you are not, you, you don't get put on the sex offender list. Now, as libertarians, we might disagree with the whole sex offender list to begin with as a, as a concept, but, um, but uh, mainly because it's a punishment for life that doesn't end, you know, uh, just like the, you know, taking, just like, you know, taking gun privileges away from, from felons forever uh, by, by fiat rather than by an actual judge or jury deciding that. Um, but on the other hand, it, it is obviously aimed at encouraging may, in California, meaning homosexual sex between adults and, and minors. Um, I have a feeling that, that the new law will not be applied to heterosexual 25 year olds who have uh, sex with 50 year old girls. Uh, that I'm sure they will get put on the list even though the law uh, doesn't say that. But if you're 21 and you have sex with a 16 year old or a 14 year old boy, then you know they just want to give you a pass on that. <clears throat> well, we're veering into very dangerous territory. Let's uh, the, um, why America? What's that? Why America? <laughs> The omnibus bill, huh. we are so screwed. It's definitely going to pass, right? No one doubts that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I said a while ago that the new Congress is not going to, uh, uh, the old Congress is not going to allow the new Congress to impose its priorities. And, and McCarthy's going to officially fold. He's just making noise for his base. Doesn't matter. He doesn't. He, he and the into all the Republican House can vote against it. It's not going to make any difference. It's the Senate where. The Republican, you know, ten Republican senators, there, right? Yeah, the ten Republican. I mean, God, they voted for gay marriage for God's sake. Uh, of you know, more than ten Republicans voted for that horrible gay marriage bill, which is going to strip um, <clears throat> religious liberty from the whole country. Uh, if you know, if if you have sincere religious beliefs uh, against uh, gay marriage, you. The new bill will allow you to have them privately in your head at home and privately in your head in uh, a religious institution like a church, not a church school, as the, uh, as the Orthodox Jewish uh, school in New York has just found out when, um, when a judge ruled that they had to permit a uh, LGBTQ plus minus divided by its mind, uh, uh, club in their school. Um, so it's not you can think it in your head at home and you can think it in your, in your church service, but the other 167 hours a week, uh, you have to pretend like gay marriage is real. And that, that's what, you know, I think 12 Republicans voted for. So if you think that you could get 10 Republicans to vote against the Omnibus bill, I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy talk. There's no chance. How long uh, since we've had a budget? Couldn't even tell you. I think it's 2008. Bush. More than a decade. Bush. Last I think it was the 2008 financial crisis is when they stopped. 14 years. And what percentage of Congress was reelected? Yeah, 98%. Well, 90. Hey. And they, think, the and they day, think we're dumb. Of course they think we're dumb. On Twitter the other day, this is, this is interesting. I think, and I think it's kind of driving the whole omnibus thing, believe it or not. Damn it, I'm going to lose these... Uh, earphones pretty quickly um the 
Mitch McConnell goes out and said that the number one priority of the Republican caucus was to fund Ukraine to defeat mm-hmm. Russia. Now, I happen to be in favor of Ukraine for a number of reasons. I hope they do kick the Russians out. I'm not against, you know, giving them old weapons that we were going to throw away anyway. But to think of all of the problems in the United States, the inflation, the no energy independence, the border crisis, the uh, the um, uh, crime, the homeless crisis, the crime yep. being out of control, all of these things. And yet Mitch McTurtle face thinks that the most important thing for him and the Republicans is to throw money at Ukraine to defeat Russia. That's literally nuts. And that, to circle I, I, back, I, I, Ed, excuse me, I'm going to circle back. And I know this is a horrible thing to say, but you were talking that some liberals were against Trump because of aesthetics. You just brought up Mitch McTur- McTurtle. <laughs> what am I missing here? He's he's not as he's not vile and crude. He, no, he, you were talking aesthetics. Yeah. I mean, if he's not aesthetically insulting, I mean, seriously, this is this is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he's just not pleasant, period. Is anybody really paying attention to him? While he's running the country, he, look what he's doing, look what he's getting away with. So exactly. I mean, the omnibus is on him, isn't it? He could stop it if he wanted to. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this bill, you know, even the little tidbits coming out are so horrific and we'll never even know some of it. And basically they've emasculated the entire Republican House. Of course, for all I know, the Republicans could have made a deal. Please do this so that we don't have to get on the hot seat for a year. Did, did you see that? Um, did you see that Rand Paul brought a wheelbarrow with the uh, with the 4,000 pages? Yeah, and I was very upset. How many trees... 4,000 pages times 435, 535 people in Congress. I don't even want to look at that math and how many trees get killed for this. But again, yeah, nobody could have been recycled paper. They so probably I, just do it electronically. They don't print it anymore. I know, except for that he did, which is really horrible for the environment. And now yeah. we'll probably put it on a private plane somewhere. But we don't even care anymore. It's like, where is the outrage? No, we just voted for these guys again. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we I, are dumb. We I, are a dumbed I, down public. I again, I you know, we know about this because we pay attention to alternative news sources. Um, you know, even if you're even if you're watching Fox News, uh, which is you know semi-alternative in the mainstream, you don't get half of the stories that we are covering in this show. We're getting them because we're we're reading a much freer Twitter. Um, we're reading some newspapers that are a little bit less controlled by the government and Telegram uh, channels that haven't been censored. I mean, the, you know, I it's, think- it's really weird. Like, like Russia Today, the um, the Russian state news media has been completely censored from Twitter, from Telegram. I mean, you, you have to like go to the Russia Today website to get their perspective. Well, we're not at war with Russia. I mean, Russia is at war with Ukraine and we're, you know, we're kind of on Ukraine's side, but we're not at war with Russia. Why are we, why, on what basis is the U.S. government um, censoring 
uh, RT. Uh, you know what? What constitutional basis do they, they have? There's no, you know, unless they would say that they're uh, not doing it, that it's these private company. companies doing it. Yeah, but that's nothing. We all know now that goes back to the very beginning of the conversation. That it's not private companies doing it. It's being. Yes, but we also know the mainstream media is really not covering the whole Twitter files business. I mean, for God's sake, during World War II, the United States didn't jam Tokyo Rose. For God's sake, I mean, they didn't even convict her after. Well, I guess they convicted her. Uh, but then they let her go. Um, I so think the it, problem is like, a little deeper, though. I think even the good guys are on the wrong side sometimes. I mean, look at the look at the Dr. Oz Fetterman race and how many people were disappointed that Oz lost. I mean, if Oz had won, he would have strengthened McConnell. Yes, Fetterman is a jerk. Yes, he's going to vote the wrong way. But you know what? Oz would have voted the wrong way on most of the important issues anyway. So until the Republican Party pays a price. For, for strengthening McConnell and putting more McConnell-type people and McCarthy-type people in, they're going to keep doing what they're doing. I mean, Let me ask you a question, Ed. Ed M., what, yeah. are you making, what are you making of this uh, feud between Boebert and uh, Green, Bree McCarthy? What's going on? Um, Why is Green sucking is up to McCarthy? Sort of, huh? I mean, Green is also feuding with with Matt Gates too, right? Right. Yep. Green is um, taking. Look, Green obviously made a deal with McCarthy that she would get back her committees and probably good committees if she supported him. Committees were taken away by Pelosi because of certain things she said, some of which were crazy, some of which were normal. Um, and she made a deal with McCarthy; she would support him, but she is being a little bit too supportive. She could just say, look, I'm supporting uh, Kevin McCarthy for speaker. I think he'll be a good speaker. And that's it. And then shut shut up. But um, has, she been, with has she been totally co-opted? Oh, she hasn't been co-opted at all. But I think it's it, it shows how completely useless a person is if they don't have committee assignments. Um, so I think she. But if she's got to pay for her assignments, that means she's co-opted. She's totally neutered now. I don't think she's totally neutered, but she's somewhat neutered. She's yeah. going after somebody from the hard right. I yeah. mean, that's a very big deal. She was the isolated and now she's becoming the isolator. I, I you know, it, maybe the committees aren't the whole deal, right? We don't know. Um, we don't know what, it can, look, no one's going to be speaker other than Ke Kevin McCarthy. It's either going to be no one or Kevin McCarthy. You know, it'll be chaos for months or Kevin McCarthy. So I think MTG made a deal. I think Matt Gates and Laurie Boebert and all the rest of them, they're going to make a deal too. And I don't know what the deal is going to be, but we all got to understand that, that there is no alternative to Kevin McCarthy. And that's, so it's going to be months of chaos or McCarthy. And so you just extract the best deal you can. I'm not sure the months of chaos isn't better for the country. I, I get it. Because Republicans I, I can't do anything not holding the Senate anyway, right? But, you know, maybe there are, you know, I mean, there are things that the Congress can do. Although if the news is suppressed, I don't, you know, they could. They really can't do anything. Even this talk about defunding the FBI. Once there's a budget or an omnibus out there, what in the world can they defund? Yeah. Can't no, not anything. for 23, 24, maybe. But uh, they, they really can't do anything. Who cares if we have a Speaker of the House? Well, again, maybe you're right. If you don't do something with McCarthy, 
you know, we're just keeping doing same old, same old, same old. And we got five people against him. And look at the whole Ronna McDaniel thing. I mean, who is paying for the fact that the Republicans can pull defeat out of every victory? I think you know, the United States is a weird country. Like in the United Kingdom, I don't know whether you're paying attention, but um, right, you know, there's 630 MPs, and right now, 350 of them are are Tory and and the rest Labour and Liberal uh, Democrats. And if they held the uh, election today, the number of Tory MPs that would be elected would be in the low double digits, 20 or 30. That's how, that's how failure and compromise and just being you know 5% less communist than the Labor Party has gotten the Tories under Boris Johnson. Liz Truss tried to change it a little bit and then she got kicked out and now Rishi Sunak. And I think that's because in the United Kingdom when, when you vote for your representative, you know, your MP, you really are voting for the party and the prime minister. Whereas in the United States, you vote for the head of government, the president, separately from you vote for the people in Congress. And so you kind of get the worst of both worlds. You know, I, I think the Tory party is going to be utterly and completely destroyed, perhaps literally destroyed, perhaps completely, utterly crushed like the Whigs were back in the day. Um, in which case something better might emerge in the United Kingdom. Um, and right, but America is not like the UK or Israel. They can't form another party. That's the, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's possible, but it's, it's very, very difficult to form another party. The parties are kind of baked into the state laws in a lot of ways. Um, uh, but you know, to see the Republican Party crushed as much as the current Tory party, is going to be crushed, I think, you know, would be a good thing. Um, but I don't It can't happen possible. here in a two-party system. We're always going to vote for the one who's not quite as bad. Well, it's the old saying that if you're always voting for the lesser of two evils, you are, in fact, voting for evil. And that's what we've been doing. <laughs> yes, we're just voting for socialists whose foot is on the gas 40 miles an hour instead of 80 miles an hour. And yes, we are dumb and we keep voting for McConnell and we will vote for McConnell for another 100 years if he wants. So and by the way, I think America has lost some of its voting for person, not party. And you may have just said that um, one of the weirdest thing when I first moved to Israel, I could not understand you don't vote for people in Israel. You vote for party. It took me years to figure out what does that mean? Still kind of it's still kind of weird. But in America, it used to be you voted for your representative, but I don't know that we do that anymore either because everybody's lockstep with party. Was it like that 40 years ago? You guys remember? I don't. Um, things were so different 40 years ago. I mean, you had Democrats 40 years ago from the South that were more Republican than Mitch McConnell is today. Right, so it wasn't automatic that they always voted with their leader. McConnell is an odd dude because he. Oh, wants... stop. Oh, well, stop. He's an odd dude. Now go on and tell us other things. Yeah, he's an odd dude. No, I mean, he's funny because he's fought sort of for better judges, or at least from his perspective, better judges. And we've seen some progress on the judge front. I think not very much, but we've seen some progress. And he's fought against 
uh, campaign finance uh, laws that, that basically restrict speech. Now, I, I understand that part of him, it, part of that is because he's obviously been purchased by, you know, Pfizer and whatnot. But um, on the other hand, speech is speech. Uh, the other thing is, I think most Congress, no one in Congress wants to do their job. They want to pawn their job off to unelected judges and unelected bureaucrats. And I think that kind of is what McConnell basically is in favor of. He, he's in favor of you know, being the Washington generals and pawning off his job on other people. And I think he, he of all people, I think was happy that he didn't get control of the Senate this year. Because if the Republicans had control of the Senate and the House, I think they would be expected to do something. And he, neither he nor McCarthy are, yeah. you know, want to do anything. Although, Ed, that was much more true 20 years ago. Today, they know that even that they can get away with. Yeah. That used to be a much bigger issue that they had, you know, you could hold their feet to the fire a little bit. I don't think they're the slightest bit worried about that anymore. I mean, someone said once that if something's unsustainable, it can't go on forever. And I, I think, you know, obviously we're in unsustainability from multiple perspectives, the, the immigration, the crime, the, the budget, you know, the energy thing, all of the things I listed are unsustainable. The country will collapse if they aren't addressed at some point. And so the question is, um, you know, is, is it going to be Mad Max or are we going to have Caesar or are we going to have someone who can go in there and start? Yeah, that also problem? all assumes that Greta is wrong and that we'll, we'll be here anyway in 10 years. Greta is wrong. We can go into that someday if you want detailed information. You just hate her because she's European. I, I, I. I hate her because she's an autistic Swedish teenager who has no education. Um, <laughs> so, and it's no, yeah, but besides that, number sense. Yes. You know, the whole. Maybe she has too much education and not enough intelligence. Well, yeah. what did Reagan say? It's not that they know nothing, it's they know too much that isn't true. So, yeah, I mean, I, I forget who I was having. Liberal, this liberals are not ignorant. Yeah. The whole. Keep going. What's the end of that line? Liberals are not ignorant. They just know us so much. Oh, oh, the, quote, the quote from Reagan is the problem with our liberal friends isn't that they don't know anything. It's that they know too much that just ain't so. Right. I was close. Yeah. Something. I get the reward for being closest to that <laughs> grenade. <laughs> okay. One more question. And please don't yell at me, guys. It's the season of forgiveness, right? Elon, no, what, no. It's the season of um, what's the good cheer season of no. what what's uh the the mr costanza uh holiday festivus uh, festivus it's season festivus of festivus for the rest of air our grievances it's our grievance <laughs> isn't the festivus the 21st or is that like the 23rd it's something like that uh, it's what, the what is of the grievances what is elon up to i don't what, think did he, he do that poll did he really want out what the heck's going on I mean, I don't think like he everything he does because the Tesla shareholders are going crazy on him, and he uh, wanted an excuse to be able to step down. Maybe. I mean, what it, it seems like everything he does is calculated. So I, I don't, I don't know. Now, I, I, he, he made a number of mistakes this week. Um, he, he decided that anyone promoting other social media sites would be banned, and that, that was an unforced error, wasn't it? 
that was so stupid. I mean, I, I just don't understand what he's thinking. Um, and then the second thing he did wrong was, um, was put out that poll to say, you know, should he step down? And everybody voted for him to step down. Because why did he, why did he do that? You're saying- Even the boss. Well, he, he, in a lot of ways, he is like Trump in the sense that on non-engineering issues, on engineering issues, he's pretty good, but on non-engineering issues, he's a chaos agent. And while I think Twitter as a, as a chaos engine, you know, to generate chaos and controversy, I think that's probably a good thing. But the individual rules are, are not good things. Like I, I, you and I, I think all four of us understand a, a little bit of, well, Steve doesn't, bearing on last week's decision, what objectivity is, right? Objectivity is trying, is, is trying to analyze the facts in a sort of a dispassionate way, like try and take yourself out. I and mean, that's, that's the essence of science. Prove yourself wrong. You know, try to figure out what you're doing that, that's wrong. Uh, understanding like cognitive biases that are kind of baked into the human human mind and, and trying to rid yourself of those biases. So when he said, I'm not bringing Alex Jones back because he said mean things about kids, um, ignoring the fact that Jones did not say mean things about kids, but let's just assume he, he did and, and Elon was correct. I mean, you've got it, that's just wrong. You know, I mean, that's just, that's just wrong. That if, if his principle is you have to do free speech, then uh, as long as it's not illegal or spammy or you know, doxing someone, I thought that was okay, although that was handled very weirdly, then you've got to step back and say, you know, did what you know, Alex Jones say, was that illegal? No, it was not. Was it, uh, was it uh, you know, doxing or anything? No, he didn't. And, and so you got to let him back on. I do this all the time, like I, on the Homeowners Association. You know what I mean? It's like, if the tree is threatening a house, I look and I'm like, look, the tree is on HOA property. We have to cut it down. That's just the way it is. I mean, we not, might not want to, you know, but it's, it's our problem. We've got to deal with it. Or if the tree is on their, you know, the homeowner's property, we tell them, look, it's on your property. There is a principle involved. And I think Elon doesn't understand the idea of principles. And that's no, why he, it's been such a disaster. He's an imperfect hero because he, he's, not, he's not one of us. Right, he's not a purist on free speech. I want him to understand he's, he's, the principle. Going about things in an arbitrary way. Yes, it seems like a bunch of arbitrary stuff. And you know, banning people who allegedly uh, told the real time um, position of himself. I, I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm again. I I like um, there is this uh, Catholic or a conservative Catholic uh, blogger uh, named Ann Barnard. She used to make videos before she was kicked off of YouTube, but um, most of her videos were anti-Islam videos. And she really, really, I'm not a fan of Islam. And so she would get death threats all the time, usually on Twitter. Um, and she would respond to them with her address, her real address. Like, I live here. Here's my address. You know, I live south of Denver. Come and get me. And, uh, you know, she posted uh, lots of pictures of her with her AR-15, uh, with her pistols at the range. Um, and none of these death threat people ever came and got her. None of them, zero. Um, 
because they're essentially cowards. And so I think the whole like, well, my plane is at this thing location and whatnot. I, I think that's overblown. I know he hires security people and security people say, well, you've got to be anonymous, but I think that's overblown. You know, if you're prepared, they, people can know where you are. Um, yeah, but I mean, you talked about principle, uh, Ed. The, the principle to me is if the, if the government isn't directing what the private company is doing, if the private company is not colluding with the government to decide what is said or not said, a private company can tell you, can do exactly what it wants on its, on its own property. It can post or not post whoever it wants. That's not anything contrary to free speech absolutism. In my house, you don't have the First Amendment in my house. You live by my rules. And when you're on Twitter, you live by his rules. And as long as the FBI isn't the one directing whether he can dox people or not dox people or this comes on or that, then he can make whatever rules he wants. See, I disagree with that. Uh, because that's where I get into the, the whole thing about whether they're a publisher or not. No, uh, I, I don't think that at all. I think I, I think the idea uh, from the from the legal perspective, I mean, you know, in perfect libertarian world, you know, maybe that's true. But in a legal perspective, businesses that are open to the public are restricted in many different ways about how they can behave. And one of the ways is they have to obey their own rules. And unless the rules say we can do whatever we want for whatever reason, um, which is not what Twitter's rules say, then um, they basically can be held to their own rules. And, 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 even if the rules I agree with say that. we can refuse service to a customer for any reason at any time, they are restricted on a whole raft of reasons um, by the law. Now, we can argue against that law, but that's what the law is. The law restricts the businesses from being arbitrary and in particular being discriminatory based on a whole list of characteristics. How is it some of which are rooted in history? I'm not going to let you dis disseminate real-time location of people. Some of which, arbitrary? you know, are, are rooted in history like race and some of which aren't. As far as the real-time location of people, people's address, you got your lawyer, people's addresses has have always been public information. And the, and the reason is obvious. If you're gonna sue somebody, you have to serve them. To serve them, you have to know where they are, where they live. And so uh, your address is not private. It's never been private. It never will be private. You could, you know, it's like fetch. You can try and make it work, but it's never gonna work. So I your think- Your address is different than your movement though. Well, again, you're trying to serve somebody. Some. You know, some states you can leave the service on the door, but other states you have to serve them in person, right? So, I mean, I, I'm sorry, but it's just not private information. I, I don't know what to tell you. You might want it to be. There might be a security risk in having it be uh, public, but it's not public information. Unless you choose, if you choose to go out in public, someone can say, hey, I just saw Elon Musk. He's sitting at a table in this restaurant. I, I, I'm sorry. That's just it's it's never been right. private. Nobody's dis, no, nobody's disputing that. And in fact, there are journalists that said that the information of his location of his plane is is public is publicly available. If you want, if you know where to look, the issue is, does he have to allow that on Twitter? I don't think he has to. I mean, to me, that's different than uh, whether he should be, you know, whether the FBI is telling them not to put the Hunter Biden story on. I mean, Again, that's, that's, where, that's where he's not a purist, because if he were, he would allow it. Yeah. 
I mean, I, again, like it's, because, it's, because it effect, it's because it directly affected him personally. Like, that's our, like saying in order to be a purist, you have to allow defamation and fraud. No, and but no, 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 no. I mean, obviously, there's there's certain things that you can draw a line on, but this is not one of them. One of our friends, Bosch Faustin, um, had uh, also an anti-Islam activist. Um, has gotten, I mean, he gets 10 death threats a day when he was allowed on Twitter. Maybe, you know, 20 death threats a day. He's got a book on it. Yeah. and Death threats so, that I've received or something like that. Yeah, right. Again, because he's making fun of it, right? And so um, the problem is none of those accounts were ever banned and they're still not banned. And the, the thing is death threats are actually against the law. You try and make a death threat against the president or even your mayor or chief of police and you know they're going to come down on a ton of bricks um and so that is not legal speech and so but do does twitter did twitter care about that no not at all and yet what elon did when someone reported his precise location i don't exactly know what happened because i missed the whole drama but um that's nothing that's zero compared to all the stuff that's going on on Twitter that he doesn't care about. And I think one of the, um, you know, one of the obvious things he's got to do, again, think in principles. If you want to ban illegal speech, let's just take that, then do it and implement that. And then if you want to ban doxing, that's really hard because maybe I don't like post, uh, um, you know, his, Lat long coordinates. Maybe I say, you know, maybe I post a link to, you know, where is elonnow.com or some something like that. And he says, well, we're going to ban that too. Well, maybe I post a link to um, celebritysightings.com and it has a link to where is elon.com or something. And how do you do that? It's, it's just not possible. So there, there are things you can address technically, death threats. There are things like doxing that you really can't address when I can go on to, you know, one of these search engines and find your address anyway. It's just not that hard. So I, I think he's just, he's, he's, being, he's being random and arbitrary because he's finding himself for the first time on the, you know, on the business end of the, of the left's cancel culture. And he should just, you know, he should just fight the left. Take out all the death threats. Take out all the bots. Take out all the spammers. Uh, I just want to let Elon know that I'm available to take over the position. Oh yeah, I'll do it in a heartbeat, Elon. If you listen to this podcast, I'll be CEO. <laughs> I will. I will. Uh, I will craft with my friend Ed uh, objective <laughs> um, rules with objective neutral adjudication with due process on uh, Twitter or any other social media site. And it will make the social media sites 10 times better than they are now. Cause that's what the real problem is due process, right? I mean, I'm talking a lot now cause I missed three weeks, yeah. but we talk about free speech, but that's not the problem. The problem is they lack, they completely lack due process. When you're banned, you don't, they don't tell you why you were banned. They don't tell you um, what rule you broke. They don't tell you how rule you broke. You have no way of, of confronting your accuser. Um, 
there's there's nothing in what we consider due process in any of these. Uh, and so that's what they ought to implement. You can have any arbitrary rule you want, Ed, including all the ones you talked about today, as long as you have due process. So as long as they tell you, hey, in this tweet, you posted a link to this site, which has a link to that site, which has a link to this site, which shows the, the real-time location of Amber Heard or somebody. And we don't allow that. So um, you got to take the tweet down, you're banned for a month, and then you come back. If you do it again, you're going to be banned permanently. That's all they need to do. Well, and, if, you get, if you get banned, at least you know that you were wrong. But if you're shadow banned... I mean, all you need is due process. I don't even know what's happening. He could have restrictions. Let's see, you want to do porn? You know, well, porn's in the eye of the beholder. So you define it, you know, sexual activity or parts, you know, naughty bits, you know, whatever. And then when you post, I mean, I've seen Instagram posts that should have been taken down um, because it's some girl in some extremely sheer see-through, uh, you know, dress or whatever. Um, I, I don't know, but I mean, you can define what is and isn't allowed in an objective fashion. It's why not. Do you, why do you hard. think you were being targeted with that, Ed? Yeah. No, I mean, the, you know, I. <laughs> Who says he was being targeted? Maybe he went out We've all been banned from YouTube, so I think that's in our favor. I don't know whether it was because. Just remember, you're being tracked. Advocacy of some do, of us for secession or the or the fact that the vaccines don't work or the masks don't work or, you know, um, what else? The election was stolen. You know, we've we've hit all the high points as far as um, as being banned uh, from from YouTube. But we were never told any of that. We were never told on this date at this time in this video, you said the election was stolen. That is against our terms of service. And um, that's why you were banned. That's really all you want. You want due process and you want a way to say, okay, well, I don't think I actually said that at that time on that video. Could I have a neutral party come in and try and, you know, have a hearing? Is that really all we want? I mean, we well, want, I, if they we have want, objective rules, sure. We want free, robust speech, especially political speech. We do want that, but I mean, hell, just, you know, sorry, hold on. I mean, you know, they start implementing arbitrary rules. We're no better than where we were before in a lot of respects. I mean, they'll, they'll be able to su suppress uh, a lot of political speech that the way they've been doing the last few years that have tilted the scales on, on elections. But I mean, isn't that the purpose of speech to tilt the scales on elections? When we speak, when we talk about why we want to vote for Trump or why we want to vote for DeSantis or why we of want course. to vote for this person. We're trying to convince people to agree with us. And uh, vote of, for of course. But when you're shutting people up <laughs> on behalf of basically one political party, that's a big difference, right? I mean, to me, the bigger difference is when the government is putting its thumb on the scale and and intervening. That's the that's the difference for me. Well, certainly, because that's more of an obvious violation of our constitutional rights. But it doesn't mean that it sits well with me that, uh, you know, the Googles and YouTubes and, and Twitters and Facebooks of the world can otherwise do it of their own accord. It's still very problematic. I mean, they, they have enormous power and control. 
And Google is probably the biggest culprit, if you ask me, what they get away with when it comes to search engine results and everything like that. So I, I, I don't know. Steve, you're muted. Good point. That's my popular demand, by the way. <laughs> okay. Did, did you conduct a poll of our uh I don't use Twitter. Audience? <laughs> it's a good idea. A good idea. All right. We'll, we'll, do a, we'll do a poll. Should Steve remain the host? So, you know. No, should he remain muted? Let's go all the way. <laughs> all right. Because we got to wrap up. Mike, what didn't we cover that you wanted to cover? Well, we already talked about the one story uh, I mentioned before. Hey, we're not going to talk about Steve Cohen being the the billionaire owner and the new evil empire is the Mets. I mean, I have to throw that out there. <laughs> All right. I'll give us something to talk about before the new year. Uh, well, it is funny because, you know, as a pure baseball fan, I I, I think that um, there probably should be some more restrictions and, and parity, uh, you know, for competitive balance, but they don't have it. And as uh, this Met fan has woke up to jubilance today to find out that the Mets signed Carlos Correa. Oh. And uh, Steve Cohen basically is spending about 2% of his wealth uh, on the Mets payroll at this point, including tax penalties, so, which are upwards of around $400 million. And it was really funny to see Steinbrenner's son come out and s actually say today, no joke, that maybe this is something that we have to look at. <laughs> he, he said that? He did, yeah. I didn't see that. <laughs> I did but, see that he that he and he and uh, Aaron Boone, Yankees manager, said that they were going to make some big move in response, <laughs> which is which well, is funny because go for it. <laughs> my son, my son had sent me a, a text message overnight about it, and uh, my my reaction before I heard any of what you just said, Mike, I said to him, you know, if George were still alive, he'd be fuming about this. Okay, oh, he would he would insist. If Cashman weren't about to be fired, he would be threatened that he better get something bigger on the plate for him before <laughs> spring training starts. Yeah, but it, it's a new day in New York because uh, I think the Mets are becoming the evil empire. <laughs> Ooh. Well, you know, if you look at what's happening in New York, New York itself is becoming an evil empire. So mm -hmm. <laughs> this is true. Becoming. All right. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I've got one cleanup and one one story that we didn't talk about. The cleanup, when we were talking about the Twitter files, one thing that I neglected to mention, um, in the files, it talks about how the FBI was talking with Twitter about possible disinformation and that they used Hunter Biden as a possible source of disinformation going all the way back to 2019 and early 2020 before Joe Biden became the nominee for the Democrats. And, and when I was reading that story, or when I was reading that part of the, the story, it reminded me of how uh, Jim Clyburn was the one that from South Carolina, uh, who was credited with saving the Biden candidacy. And it made me wonder, maybe that fix was in from day one, and they knew that Biden was going to be the nominee from the very beginning. Um, I don't know, it's just speculation on my part. But um, I think it was interesting that the that the Twitter files indicate that the FBI was talking about Hunter Biden being the source of disinformation before Joe Biden became the nominee. And 
it tells me that they're, I mean, it suggests to me that the FBI was really, really involved in meddling in the election, even more so than uh, than suppressing the story in October after Biden became the nominee. Maybe they had a role in just making him the nominee in the first place. So that was the cleanup. And yeah, because story- nowadays, is there anything that's not believable? I mean, based on the based on the disclosures, how else could you interpret that? I mean, why would they suggest Hunter Biden as a as a disinformation scenario if they didn't think that you know if they didn't think or know that Biden was going to be the nominee? I mean, he, Biden started off looking like a complete idiot. He looked like a fool. He looked like the doddering fool that he is. And it wasn't until they all remember they all coalesced around him. Mm-hmm. In, right before South Carolina, it looked like Bernie was going to be the nominee. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, uh, Buttigieg dropped out and and uh, what's her name from Minnesota dropped out. You know, Amy uh, Klobuchar, uh, they all coalesced around Biden for South Carolina. And that that uh, guy, that number three guy in the leadership, the black guy, Clyburn, he you know, he was credited with saving Biden's campaign Maybe it was just all a fix from the beginning. I don't know. I mean, but that's how I read it. I mean, maybe it's maybe that's not the case, but um, <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, and the story that we didn't talk about, um, we allu- we, we kind of got close to it, was the potential indictment of, of Trump or the criminal referral of Trump by, by Congress, which is different than releasing his tax returns. Um, we had talked about this a little privately, um, and I just wanted to say publicly that I don't, you know, I'll, I'll repeat for everybody listening that what I told you guys, I, I don't think that they will indict him because indicted, you know, once Trump becomes a criminal defendant, he is, he's got a whole bunch of constitutional rights, like the power to subpoena evidence, subpoena witnesses, compel testimony, confront his accusers, cross-examine his, his accusers and his witnesses. Um, and those are a whole bunch of rights that I do not think the Democrats will want to allow him to exercise. I think the threat of a criminal indictment and the stench of a possible criminal indictment is really all they're looking for. Um, I, I think that they would probably be scared if Trump had the power to subpoena testimony from them. Um, now, I know that some people think that the fix would be in for that, too, and that maybe they, you know, he wouldn't be allowed to make his defense. Um, if, if that were the case, if he were to get railroaded like that out of his constitutional rights in a criminal prosecution, uh, I, I think that's war, honestly. Um, and that's war not just against Trump, but against anyone who supports Trump. Or, I mean, it's not even, you don't even have to support Trump. I think it's a war against all of us. Uh, it, that's a direct violation. Well, isn't the criminal right? referral a war against all of us already? I mean, they just see how much they get away with and why not keep pushing? Maybe so, but I just wanted to throw that out that out there. But I, I totally agree with you. It is a, in the words of our immortal president, it is a big effing deal. Yeah. Well, the one thing we did touch on earlier, and just to maybe quickly get your guys' take on it, was um, the Tucker story about the CIA being involved in Kennedy's assassination. Do you, do you believe that that is, is likely true? Do you have any reason to doubt that? I don't think he revealed enough evidence. To, I mean, he says that that uh, that they're hiding something, and I, I don't doubt that. 
because he said he knows from a firsthand source. Yeah. New. I mean, he's right. He basically had an anonymous source has basically said, yes, they were involved. And, you know, he's seen the actual documents and also basically said that our government really isn't what we think it is. Well, why hasn't he? Why doesn't he reveal those, those documents? Uh, maybe he wants to live. No, uh, he. he I what he know. said. What he said was that he knows someone personally who has seen the documents. Okay. Not that Tucker has seen the documents. No, that's what I heard. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Tucker had an, an, an anonymous source. Yeah, because the person he talked to doesn't want to go live in Russia as a roommate to Edward Snowden. I mean, yep, and doesn't why. want to use Jeffrey Epstein's bed. Yeah. Uh, so well, I, I, it's also interesting that Pompeo wouldn't go on to talk about it. I mean, that only adds that, fuel yeah. to the fire. That not a good look, huh? No. Yeah, and he was someone that had a lot of pres people supporting him for president. I, I think that's going to be a, a bad thing for him. Yeah, I, I think that Pompeo is done. I, I, I think there are too many people who are compromised to the extent that they cannot withstand attacks from Trump or Trumpists. I do think Trump is extremely vulnerable, and I've said that before, but um, I, I think that, you know, somebody like Pompeo <coughs> or, or, um, or Barr or any of these other deep state people, um, they'll just be shredded by Trump, shredded in any debate and it would be fun to see but it's not going to happen because i think they know they would be shredded as far as the cia <coughs> there are plenty of um there are plenty of reasons uh given why the cia um uh would be in favor of removing kennedy um there are plenty of reasons why johnson would be in favor of removing kennedy uh, you know, the mob has been associated with the Kennedy death. The Castro has been associated. They all have, there's all sorts of people who have, um, who have uh, motives. Now, the actual means and opportunity, if we're going to go by a murder mystery standard, I, I mean, there are plenty of people who had motive. Um, you know, it, it was there a second gunman? I don't know. I don't know what the evidence for it was. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, even if there was a second gunman, you know, you know, what was his relationship? I, I do think that Oswald being shot immediately after um, being captured uh, was, you know, a smoking gun, as it were, that they didn't want Oswald to speak. Um, it also means that Oswald probably shot him, or if he didn't shoot him, they wanted to shut him up in favor of the person who did shoot. So, I, you know, there's plenty of there's plenty of things that make me think it's a good X Files episode, but I haven't seen really. I haven't seen any evidence. Um, I do think that uh, you know the CIA really got tarnished in Kennedy's eyes in the. Uh, Bay of Pigs catastrophe. And um, it, it was said that Kennedy wanted to break up or disband the CIA. That was one of his, his goals because he thought that they were crazy. 
um, he, he, he was, there's evidence that Kennedy was, uh, um, you know, there's this story that, uh, the generals came in with a, a plan to do some false flag, uh, bombings in the United States, uh, and blame them on Castro to give us an excuse to go in and evade, uh, that would, you know, have killed hundreds, if not thousands of Americans. And Kennedy just couldn't believe it. I mean, that the story is he, he couldn't believe that they would suggest such a thing. So I, I do think there is motive to get rid of Kennedy, especially in favor of someone like Johnson, who was, you know, deep state, you know, all the way. Um, but I, 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 I just don't know the means and opportunity. All right, folks. Let's wrap it up. One more show for the year. Be back hopefully next Wednesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Et cetera, et cetera. Happy Hanukkah to everybody.